What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Sahil Sagal Show, where we interview some unstoppable entrepreneurs who are dominating figures in their businesses. Sahil here, back again with an awesome, insane guest once again. We are interviewing Omar Elater on how he has interviewed over 10 billion plus worth of entrepreneurs on his podcast show, including some of the great, great entrepreneurs like founder of Hot Cheetos, founder of Netflix, founder of Reebok, and many other entrepreneurs. Without any further ado, let's welcome Omar to our show today. What's up, everyone? This is Sahil here, and welcome to The Sahil Sagal Show, where I'm going to be interviewing some crazy entrepreneurs out there who started from scratch with no experience, resources, and connections, and then later on became unstoppable and dominating figures in their respective businesses. We're going to dive deep into the mindset of these super successful entrepreneurs to find out how they did it and how you can model it too. It's time to pick their brains and uncover all the strategies and tactics which these entrepreneurs use to scale their businesses from nowhere to multiple six, seven, and eight figures. Welcome to The Sahil Sagal Show. Welcome, Omar. Thank you so much, man. Honored to be here. And uh, thank you for the introduction. I forgot I interviewed the CEO and founders of uh, Reebok and Netflix. So uh, <laughs> thank you. you did a fantastic job. I'll do my best to live up to the intro. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you again. Anybody who's watching us live, put a hashtag live. If you're watching on replay, put a hashtag replay. Omar, I'm really curious to know about actually your, what were you doing before when you started this interview shows? Who was Omar before that? Yeah, man. So funny you asked that. Omar was the same guy that is sitting in front of you today. I was always a curious kid. Um, shout out to RJ. He's live. Shout out to Nidhi. Thank, shout out to everybody watching live. I appreciate the love uh, from wherever you are in the world, by the way. Uh, Omar in the house. Yep. Uh, but basically, yeah, I, um, I think like most people, man, I was a dreamer. And I was always a kid who, you know, when I was a kid, first I found soccer. And I'm like, oh, I want to be a professional soccer player. And then I found um, acting and I did commercials. I was in a Nickelodeon commercial with Justin Bieber and Shaq. And, and I did that. And I, I found myself, anything I did, I always had a little bit of success in. And I always wanted to be the best, right? I always wanted to get paid to play. I didn't understand the concept. I, I did understand it, but I didn't like the concept of like living 30, 40 years doing something that you don't like. I wanted to wake up every day and get paid to play, right? My motto was... I want to live a life where if I wouldn't do it for free, I wouldn't do it for a fee. Now, when you're a kid, you don't know how to navigate that, right? You don't know how to put that in a box, so to speak. But I always had that frame. I never wanted to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or any of that. I always wanted to get paid to play. So uh, first it was skateboarding and then it was acting. Uh, no, first it was soccer. Then it was uh, sorry. Then, first it was soccer. Then it was like film and acting. And then it was skateboarding. And that led to my early 20s where in my early 20s, I, I got to travel and work for Rob Dyrdek, and he's, which is a super famous skateboarder and entrepreneur, multi-million dollar entrepreneur, nine-figure guy. And I got to travel all over the country uh, with him, and I got to live the skateboarding dream, so to speak, for a little bit. But then I found myself in my early 20s, that ended, and I found myself having chased all these dreams and having nothing. And going, dang, I'm 21, 22, 23 years old. I have dreams of impacting and making millions. But I have no idea what to do. So you ask who was Omar. Omar was a dreamer. He was a question asker. He was always curious. 
I was always indirectly coaching and consulting my friends. Back then it was for free. Um, everyone, when they had girl problems, they came to me. <laughs> when, when girls had problems with guys, they came to me. When, um, you know, it was just, I was, I was always the guy who like, for some reason, I just love to help people unpack what they're dealing with. And uh, maybe it was a way to escape my own insecurities by helping people with theirs. You know, as I look back, I think it might've been a little bit of that, but I know that's a long-winded answer, but I was just a curious dude who was trying to figure out how to how to turn that curiosity into something bigger. And uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. yeah, it's kind of how it started. Absolutely. So the entrepreneur or that consultant bug was already there inside you since the childhood. Yeah, man, I was the hardest working underpaid coach ever in high school and college, for sure. For sure. Yeah, got a great journey, man. My problems. But I could help people, everybody else solve theirs, you know? Yeah. That's a common problem with all the consultants. I have also felt like that. Being a coach, I also feel like that. I can solve somebody else's problem way easier and way in less time possible, but rather than my own. I think exactly. it's exactly. But you know what? I, you know, I, I heard a quote once. It said, because we're more typically human beings will do more for others than they'll do for themselves. So you true. Know? Yeah. RJ said, Omar loves to humanize Love humanitarian humanitarian. story at a time. Yes, sir. Appreciate the love, RJ. Absolutely. RJ is the man. Yes. Awesome, man. Like you have inter interviewed some crazy names out there, including some of my favorite personal ones. Like I said before the start of interview, Grant Cardone, Ed Miley, Tom Billiard, Dan Locke, and many others. So how did you pave your way to track these people? I'm sure it was like crazy follow-up things or something you had to do to get these people on your show. Yeah, it was insane, man. I at that time, to be quite honest with you, man, I was in so much pain. Like, I hate to say it, but I, I, I had so much pain, man. I was in my mid-20s. I was tired of losing. I was tired of being broke. I was, I was just sick and tired, man. And in my mind, I was so – it doesn't even make logical sense how hungry I was. Like, it had to happen. It wasn't like, oh, I hope or I would like. or I would. It was like, nope, I will do this, period. There was no – like, oh, I hope, or like, you know, it was like, it's going to happen. I don't, I'm not, can I curse on your show? Probably not. Probably not. That's it's okay. That's okay. Um, but there was no freaking way that it didn't happen. I was going to die or it was going to happen. I literally had that kind of drive. And the reason um, is because I was just sick and tired of losing. I was sick of it, man. I was sick of being 21, 22, 23 and having no money in my gas tank, seeing people who are not that much smarter than me have way more money than me or have way more opportunity or have the car I like or have the whatever I like or have the life I like or have freedom. Right. I, and I wanted it so bad, man. I was just telling my friends like I wanted to make, you know, at that time, my dream was to make $100,000 a month, impact millions of people, inspire millions of people and be totally free on Monday at noon to go to the movies with my girlfriend if I wanted. That was my dream. Just total fantasy freedom while at the same time impacting people now later that all happened but at the time hundred thousand dollars a year was like not even real i was probably making eighteen hundred dollars a month you know uh, if that and i was in my mid-20s man and so the journey started for me when i went to a tony robbins seminar i'll give you right before the podcast because it's a little bit of a long story i'll try to sum it up but basically, um, when I was 23, 24, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar in person. And we had to do an exercise where Tony had us write down where we were currently at in all areas of our life. Um, one of them being financial. And you had to write down your current income and then what your dream income would be. 
And at the time, I think I was making, it's embarrassing, but maybe like 18,000 a year, you know? Now, if we did that in a month, it's, I mean, we're on our way to bankruptcy, right? Like that's less than my overhead. And at that time, I, my dream was to make $100,000 a year, right? So I wrote that down. I make 18,000, I wanna make 100,000. And there's a gentleman sitting next to me who I later found out was like 26, 27 years old. And he wrote down that he was making like 700 grand a year and he, what he was currently making, not what he wanted to make. That's what he was currently making. And his goal was to make 3 million. And I, and I, and like, I kind of peeked over it. You're not supposed to look better. I kind of like peeked over at his, at his, at his paper. And, and I was just, and in my head and my, you know, I kept it cool on the outside, but in my head, I was like, what the heck? Like, how's this guy? Why is he here? He should be on stage. Right. Like, why is it, why am I sitting next to him? And so long story short, I, I asked him, I said, dude, if you don't mind me asking, I don't mean to be rude or invasive, but I saw on your paper um, your income, right? Like, it's so rude, but I was like, and I, and I was like, if you don't mind me asking, what do you do? And like, are you hiring? Right? Like, I took that kind of a And he started laughing and he goes, you know, it's funny you say that. I'm the brokest one I know from all of my friends. And I was like, what do you mean? He makes 700 grand. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, dude, all my friends joke that I don't even make a million bucks a year. Like all my friends make three million, five million in their twenties, and I was like, that to me was like, what? What is like? Are they drug dealers? Right? Like what? This is so. What? My parents never even made six figures. I can't combine. Like I didn't even couldn't even fathom that. And um, so he's like, we sell solar, and I was like, okay, not really like a passion per se, but I was like, okay. So long story short, I end up working. Like fast forward, like thirty days later. I'm wearing a solar outfit, right? Ready to make my 700,000 a year. And so I'm knocking doors selling solar in the hot heat. I'm selling $30,000 solar panels. I have zero sales experience in the hot heat for 100% commission. Keep in mind, this is from a guy who like played club soccer with some of the best kids in California. Like I was in commercials for Nickelodeon and met like all these like Shaq and Bieber and all this. I traveled all over the country for skateboarding, right? I had tasted all these epic tastes of my dream. But here I am in an orange polo selling solar to people who don't want me at their door, who are lying to me. So it was a shock to the ego. And by the way, it was for 100% commission. There was no base pay. Hmm. So, and trust me, this relates to the interviews. Just roll with me. Hang tight. So I end up knocking doors selling solar for probably the better portion of a year. I hated every day of it. Hated it. Um, but it gave me semi-freedom. And the commissions per sale were like something in the ballpark of like 2,500 bucks, which to me, I was like, oh, if I sell four a month, that's 10,000, 10,000. Oh my God, I'm set. Right. Like, and, uh, so anyway, so about within about 90 days, I'm the number one sales rep in the office selling. Cause I was so hungry. Right. So I'm like knocking doors, knocking doors. And this actually ended up being a skill set later that would help me with interviews. Because when I would knock on door, like if you think writing follow-up emails or doing a sales call and air conditioning to sell something is hard, try knocking on doors in the hot heat with a sweaty polo when you smell all day long, five days a week for a hundred percent commission in the hot heat selling $30,000 solar panels to people who don't want you there, right? You learn resilience, right? So sending a follow-up email or like calling a, a prospect to follow up is a walk in the park. Later, it would help me. At the time, I didn't know it would lead to that. But I was knocking on doors selling solar. And so long story short, I get recruited to work at Tesla. I work at Tesla for, you know, three to six months. And at this point, I'm like depressed because I'm 25 years old. 
I do, I do a bunch of jobs that I'm not passionate about. I'm not making the kind of money I want to make. So I get into self-sabotaging habits and I'm in a rock bottom. And I had a girlfriend at the time and, uh, and, uh, basically like wanted her to help me and like be there to like support me. And, uh, and she was there when times were good, but when times were tough, she didn't want to be a part of it. Right. She wasn't there to support me. So long story short, she ended up breaking up with me. And at the time, I was in a rock bottom place. I was in debt, was totally unhappy, abusing alcohol and drugs. I'm 25. I'm not a young dude. I mean, relatively speaking, it's young, but like, and, and I'm seeing everybody else win. And I'm like, how did I go from being on like my dreams kind of happening to like this? What? What? How is this my life? What? You know, so I had so much pain. Like, so, I can't even express to you in words. I literally just every night, every day, I had so much fire inside of this self-disappointment. And so when I quit that job, I had like $300 to my name and I hire a coach who I actually still work with today. His name's Dave Thorpe. Shout out to Dave. And uh, he charged 250 bucks uh, for a coaching sesh. So I said, screw it. I'm broke. I got 300 bucks. I give the guy 250 bucks. At the time I had never spent money on a coach, which ended up being like such a life-changing thing. So shout out to People who invest in you and your programs, man. I think it's awesome what coaches can do for people. But basically, this coach sits down with me and, and he asks me a question that changed my life. And I would encourage everybody watching this on the live right now, wherever in the world you are, U.S., Canada, wherever, um, to, to write down this question. And that is, if life was perfect, what would happen next? Right? Like, think about that. If life was perfect, what would happen next? I think so many of us so often never ask the question. And so as a result, we never generate the answer. We just assume that we're only going to get a fraction of what we want or that it's an uphill battle, right? We just assume that subconsciously because our parents kind of dealt with that, friends, siblings. I mean, how often do you know people who are like, oh my God, I'm totally living my dreams and I love life. Woohoo, right? Like hmm. that doesn't happen, right? Most people, when they come home on the couch, don't sit down and are not consciously grateful. Like, oh man, I'm so grateful for this or that. What do most people do when they come home? Oh, shit, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. Should I do this? Oh, I got to send the invoice. Oh, I need to make money. They check their bank account. Oh, my God. They're running in like these constant, oh, you know, cycles of, oh, man, I got to do this. Got to do that. Right. So anyways, long story short, I was just sick of that. So Dave asked me the question, if life was perfect, what would happen next? And I said, if life was perfect and I don't know how it will manifest, hmm. your responsibility isn't to come up with the answer. This is what I learned. Your responsibility is to come up with the question. True. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is huge. So write this down in your notes for people yeah. listening. If I ask you, what color are your socks? What color are your underwear? I know it's a little inappropriate, but roll with me. Whether or not you answered out loud, 100% of everybody on this live right now just went inside their brain and answered that question. You, your subconscious cannot control. When you ask it a question, it gives you an answer. So if you say, how can I make $100,000 a month, enjoy the process, and only work 12 hours a week? That's very different than, oh, how do I make more money? How do I get more clients? You see what I'm saying? When you, sharp, when you sharpen the question, your brain will sharpen answers that you're not consciously aware of. So how you generate answers is you sharpen your questions, right? Most people dwell on not having the answers. So Dave explains this to me. At the time, it goes over my head. But he said, if life was perfect, what would happen next? So I said, if life was perfect, I would inspire millions of people. I would make millions of dollars. I would have total free time. And I would get to connect with my biggest heroes in life, business, and personal development. Hmm. which now makes sense when you mention all the names I've interviewed, gone to do business with, have become clients, right? Traveled, been in their jets, been in their homes, right? Like all that become friends with. 
So it makes sense now, all the names, the Tom Bailey, the Tony Robbins, all these people I got to meet. But at the time, you have to understand, I was a scared, insecure, broke, overweight, in debt, broken up with, heartbroken dude that didn't see the path from Walnut, California, bro. Walnut. How the hell was I going to do that, right? And um, so Dave told me the next inspiring thing, which I would encourage everybody to jot this down, and that is the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Right. You can get from L.A. to New York. You can go across the country, not seeing the whole journey, but in your car, all you need is the 20 feet of headlights in front of you. So you just need 20 feet at a time and you can get anywhere in the world. Right. And so he said, OK, so you want to spend time with your heroes. You want you like having inspiring conversations. You're a curious dude. You want freedom to express yourself. You want to make a lot of money and inspire millions of people. Right. And he and, and he goes, OK, those are like ingredients on a table. Right. And I think what most people do is in the kitchen of their life or in the kitchen of their mind, they go, oh, I want to do this. And they're so fixed on what it is, but they don't realize they don't have some of those skill sets. They don't have some of those tools. They don't have some of those ingredients, if you will. So instead, what Dave encouraged me to do is take inventory of what ingredients I already had in my mental cabinet. Roll mm -hmm. with this. OK, you already have communication skills. You have a laptop. You have a phone. You live in California. Right. What do we have? Not what don't we have? What do we have? Hmm. Um, I don't have money, right? Um, I do have um, experience um, knocking doors, so being resilient in that. I do have experience on camera and doing short films, so I knew people who would camera, right? So little by little things, right? You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. So I start piecing together what ingredients I do have. Keep in mind, I don't know that it's going to become a podcast and we're going to blah, yep. blah, 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 blah. I don't know all that at the time. To me, I didn't. I don't even know what that was. How? What's the process? What? I don't know any of that. And so we just write down and he goes, Dave goes, hmm, well, how could you use your skills of resilience, your experience on camera, your desire to communicate with high level people, the fact that you live in California to inspire millions of people and make millions of dollars, Omar? And I was like, huh. I was like, I was like <laughs> this is, <laughs> just to show you how much I was clueless, I, I, I told him, I said, Maybe I could get a job at a radio station. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't understand. This yeah. is the power of coaches, right? They see what you don't. Cool. And uh, <clears throat> and uh, so he, so he goes, "What about YouTube?" And I was like, "I was like, what do you mean?" He goes, "Well, you could make a YouTube show or like a podcast, right? It's free, right? It doesn't cost anything." Right. Um, and I said, well, I was like, well, how am I going to monetize it? How am I going to start? I don't have a camera. Am I good? On, you know what is I don't I don't do pranks. I don't. Whoa, like that's just who's going to want. Right. All the limited beliefs showed up. Right. Which, by the way, I've learned that as soon as you commit, that's when limited beliefs show up. So yeah. you commit, part of commitment is knowing that limited beliefs show up. So you have to commit in spite of limiting beliefs. Right. So this is something that served me later. But at the time, I don't know any of this. So, and this is very important to the story for anybody listening or watching in their own life, whether they're six, seven, eight figures. Well, if you're at eight figures, you probably figured this out. <laughs> but you're, there's new levels. But wherever you're at, even if you're trying to get to six, whatever, we've all been there. We all have our challenges. But the point is, is, is important to realize that there are probably skill sets. There are probably ingredients that you currently have that you're not tapping into because you think that's not useful or you think like, oh, I can't use that. Most people don't take inventory of the ingredients they have. Everyone has a million dollars inside of them. Not everyone has a willingness to figure out how to get it out. You with me on this? Right on. 
has it. In fact, check this out. Did you know that if you sold every organ from skin, bones, and organs in the human body, how much you can actually, like if you sold your whole body, how much it would actually sell for on the market? Over six, over $6 million. Wow. So we're all $6 million, No matter if you're depressed, sour, we're all walking. We're a $6 million vessel right now. Hmm. See how even just that thought alone goes, whoa, that activates a whole new possibility of what your, what your self-worth is, no matter how you feel about yourself. I digress. And so... Dave sits down and we go, okay, if life was perfect, what would happen? YouTube podcast. And I had all these limiting beliefs and he goes, Omar, calm down. He goes, let's just worry about one video. Just one. Yeah. Just one. Forget about a show and monetize. I forget about all that. Shh. Just one, just one video. And I was like, and, and, and that calmed all the limited beliefs. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, what do we do? And he goes, well, who would you interview first? And I go, I don't know, maybe like a like a, a mil like a local millionaire I know. He goes, you know anybody that's a millionaire? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, does he have a phone? I was like, yeah. He was like, call him. <laughs> right? So it's just like so simple stuff, but when you're in your head, you're like, wow, it's so loud that you don't see the the next step, right? So he goes, just call him. So I'm like, and say what? Well, tell him. Want to do a YouTube video and you want to do one video with them. So I said, okay. So I do that. We film the video. It goes up. And my first video on YouTube gets like 4,000 views. And I was like, whoa. Good. That's pretty cool. Now, on YouTube prior, I didn't know this, but years prior, I had done little videos where I interviewed a homeless guy with my cell phone on the street. And I didn't, there was no context or plan. And I put that video up. So I had a little bit of like familiarity with YouTube, but I literally went from interviewing homeless people with my iPhone to interviewing billionaires on like $50,000 cameras. And it's crazy to even think about, but it was just like that one. So I interviewed that one guy and then he was like, well, who do you want to interview next? And remember that girlfriend I told you about earlier? Yeah. Yep. So that, that ex-girlfriend, shout out Emily. Uh, <laughs> um, she loved three things more than anything. Number one was Grant Cardone. By her bed, she had this like book. She had this book thing of personal development. And I didn't even know who Grant Cardone was. She introduced me to Grant Cardone. She loved Grant Cardone. She loved hot Cheetos and she was super, she was like a fitness model or whatever. So she was into um, Quest Nutrition and sponsored by them, Quest Bars, which uh, you know, yes, Tom Billy. And she, her favorite snack was like hot Cheetos, as 90% of people in America love hot Cheetos. Um, I don't know if Canadians do. You're in Toronto. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Thing there. We do have that. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. <laughs> but yeah, so so anyway, so then I go, hmm, who I'd really love to interview next would be the billion-dollar creator of Quest Nutrition, Tom Bilyeu, the billion-dollar founder of um, Hot Cheetos, and the billion-dollar guy, Grant Cardone. So I went on a mission to do whatever it takes. There was no – there was no – dude, there was no universe where I didn't interview them. There, it was impossible. I had to show this girl like, all right, like you don't, you don't value, you don't value my time. Like you don't think I want to be somebody special in the world. Okay. Let's see. Let's fucking see. Right. I didn't say that to her, but in my head, that was the, that was the like, okay, that's fine. Let's see. And uh, so, yeah, man, I did whatever it took, whatever it took, dude. Creator of Hot Cheetos turned down an interview with Oprah. I, I literally messaged him probably 20, 30 times. 
I emailed him. I cold called him. I DM'd him. I found his relatives and asked them. I found his suit tailor, followed up with him. I would, I, I paid a suit tailor who tailored his stuff. I found out about to call me when he comes in so that I could go there and pretend that I happened to be. I mean, dude, literally it was ridiculous amounts of massive action. It was like, it's going to happen no matter what. And, uh, and then I saw he, and by the way, I did all those things and he would say no to all of them. He even turned down Oprah. It's funny. He's actually coming over to my place next week for a round two interview, but we've become friends since, but he did a speaking event two hours away and he would he he was doing like a circuit where he was speaking two hours away from me for like three weeks every three weeks he would speak there and it was two hours away i drove in person to pitch him when he got off stage first time he was like no second time i went three weeks later he was like i was like dude like i'm like i appreciate you asking and stuff but no I went the third time and he saw me and he was like, Jesus Christ, man. All right, I'll give you your interview, right? And I said, consider me the young man you once were. I know you would normally never do this, but consider me the young man you once were. Because I knew his story. He was a janitor at Frito-Lay and he pitched the CEO yep. on Hot Cheetos and everybody told him no. So all I ever did when I would get these objections is I would go, I, all I have to do is appeal to the young version of them. And it worked because mm -hmm. all of them had someone, you know, all of them were me at one point in their own varying capacity. Yep. And when I've realized that a lot of the relationships I've been able to build with a lot of these big names is because they see something in me, not to toot my own horn, but they see something in me that they also had in them when they needed that one person to give them a chance, an opportunity, a sale, whatever it is. And so I just, and I, by the way, I want to say to everybody listening, when I was following up, I was always respectfully persistent. I was always, I was never over gradient, disrespectful, uh, like aggressive, never was always super respectful, super patient. And if they said no, my question was always, and I encourage everybody listening to write this down with prospects. If you ever get a no rejection, say, okay, cool. No problem. Thank you for your time. Would it be okay if I follow up with you next month? Hmm. Right? And I learned this from door to door sales, right? It, which, you know, at the time in the hot heat, didn't make any sense. But see what happens is if you do that, a lot of times they'll give you permission and go, yeah, sure. If they say no, no problem. Don't follow up. But if they say, yeah, sure. We all know 30 days flies like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so what this ended up doing is that once it shows in the thread, right. And this is for everybody listening to coaches, consultants who are on their follow up game. If you respect, if, if they say no and you're respectful and you say, Hey, is it okay if I follow up with you next week or next month or next quarter? Mm -hmm. um, and they say, yes, you, they've now given you permission to follow up. See what yep. I'm and if it's in the conversation, it's in the thread. So they will see that they gave you permission. So they won't, they won't even neuroassociate you being annoying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, true. These are the things I learned with these high-level people. And um, so I just did that. So Hot Cheetos gave me the interview. Uh, Tom Bilyeu, I messaged him 12 times, zero response. 13th time, dude. He was like, he was like, uh, wow, dude, you don't give up. I'll tell you what, how's next week on Tuesday at 4 a.m.? We actually interviewed him at 4 a.m. It was the only time he had available. Um, and he goes, how about next week, 4 a.m. at my place? Um, I can give you 60 minutes. And I was like, yes, sir. Absolutely. We'll take it. I had no videographer. I had no money, whatever. I met a videographer on Craigslist that I ended up meeting in front of Tom Billy's house at 3.30 in the morning for the first time in my life. I had no experience. I didn't even have money to pay the guy. I asked him if I could pay him on a net 30 invoice because I didn't have any money. So mm -hmm. I asked him if I could pay him in 30 days because I figured that would give me enough time to come up with a couple hundred bucks to pay it, Right. But I acted like I knew what I was doing. I had no gas money to get there. 
I asked a friend if he could give me a ride. So he came and spent the night so that we wouldn't, so that we, I swear, so that we wouldn't fall asleep because I was so worried about missing the 4 a.m. thing. We drove like an hour and a half to Beverly Hills outside of Tom Billy's house. And I literally found a crew off of Craigslist and I'm meeting these people at 3.30 in the morning, pitch black, walking into this billionaire's house to interview. Like that's the like ridiculous levels of action I took with zero, like, I didn't know how to interview. Dude, I had never done interviews ever. I think Tom Billy was my third interview ever. Grant Cardone was my second or fourth or something like that. And then for Cardone, I know I'm like long-winded here, but I'm just like inspired to share this with you guys. To wrap up the third guy, Cardone, I live in California. He was in Florida. I saw on his Instagram story that him and Elena were in Beverly Hills. And so I literally drove to the restaurant, waited for him outside and pitched him to interview him. And literally all three of those people, Cardone, Hot Cheetos, and Billion Dollar Founder of Quest, I interviewed all three of them my first year doing a podcast, collectively got millions of views and downloads. And for each one of them was the most watched and downloaded interview in the entire world with all of them my first year. So it was crazy, dude. <laughs> it was crazy. No, no doubt in that, man. It's like, look, you literally paved your way. Like you were so hungry towards behind your success that you want to do it. Man, so many stories. I wanted, that... I wanted her, I swear to God, dude, I wanted her to sit there and go, oh my God, I fucked up. <laughs> that was all I thought about. It sounds so spiteful. And 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 obviously that motivation only lasted that first year. I think honestly, once I did the interviews, I didn't even care. I got so busy with other stuff. But yeah. at the time, I was so hurt because I had such a kind heart. Like I, I was so hurt that she would like just dip on me at that little point. And so I was I was just I just held it in and held it in, held it in, dude, and just made it happen, you know. But yeah, it's a crazy story. You cracked it, man. It's the best all, revenge. So. Yeah, well, exactly. Massive success is the best revenge. And, and honestly, I've learned since that like spiteful motivation like that is not sustainable, probably not healthy for mental health. Yeah. But man, I got to say it worked, dude. Yeah, you learned it. I'm winded, bro. But that's learned it hard way. Oh, man. That was crazy. So many gold nuggets. Yeah, yeah and, and, and what's crazy there is like, I didn't even know about AdSense revenue. I didn't know about sponsor, like all these monetization streams. Mm. Like I literally had no idea, dude. I literally I was telling some one of my uh, friends that like I interviewed Conor McGregor's bodyguard by like, mm. I just saw Conor McGregor tag him on a post. So I DM'd him, somehow got into a conversation with him and got his number. I don't even know how, I, what the hell was I doing? I got his number. And, to, and asked him if he'd be down to do an interview. He said, I can only do it tomorrow. Somehow he said yes. I don't know how. And then he was like, yeah, I can only do it tomorrow for one hour. So he left Connor's place to come for one hour. And But it has to be in this city. I had never been to that city in my life. I cold called local businesses that I had no connection with and asked them if we could use their office to film an interview with them. Right. Like that was the level of like, you know, people, a lot of people wait to have all of the, oh, I need my logo. I need... When I interviewed Card, by the way, when I interviewed Cardone and pitched him, I didn't even have a podcast. I didn't even have a. Po- I didn't even have a name for my podcast at the time. I didn't have. It didn't exist, right? Like I committed first, and then that motivated me to figure out the rest of the stuff. But most people in business, oh, I'm, I'm working on my website before I get clients. I'm working on my logo. I'm, I mean, I'm working on that. You know, it's like everyone's afraid of the, um, of the uh, of the bullseye, but uh, I wasn't. I don't know if you can feel I'm having jaw dropping movements. My jaw is like, <laughs> I was like, that's the craziest story. I'm I've not that in real life, but just at that time in particular, I was just so 
like I can't even explain it in words, dude. It was just like it was just crystal clear. That's what I'm supposed to do. And then once I started getting people like, oh, my God, I love your interviews. They're the best ever. Then that started fueling me like, all right, next, next, you know, and then I would leverage one relationship for the next. And then and then I started generating money from AdSense and then sponsors said, hey, can we pay you? And then that was money. Right. And I firmly believe that when you're aligned, money flows to you. Right. The wealthiest people in the world are paid for who they are, not what they do. That's one thing I learned. Right. The wealthiest people in the world are paid for who they are, not what they do. So I wanted to become my greatest self and my greatest self was using everything that made me a loner back in the day to uh, make me a winner later in my own definition of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that led to affiliate marketing and, 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 and online marketing and coaching, consulting and production company and all that stuff just kind of started from there. So true. We try to give so many excuses to ourselves, like by hearing all these stories, I'm even I'm thinking like, we are playing so small, like by following, you said 20 follow-ups that you did with that. Uh, and we give up after two follow-ups. We take it to our ego. We're like, who the, this guy is like, why is he not even replying to my messages? And like, yeah. yeah. Well, because, because, because I think most people, this is, I'm glad you said that. I think I was just talking to one of my buddies um, before this, and he was asking me a question. And I said like, it's not even about how many times it's just about committing to the outcome. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like most people don't commit to the outcome. They like, Oh, I'm going to prospect today. I'm going to try to get clients today. But it's like, if you commit to the outcome, signs and people and ideas and insights and things that you're not even conscious of will come to you. Right? Like if I look at my YouTube channel, if like, watch this, if you go back to that Omar sitting crying in his notebook, like sad about this girl and wanting to like inspire the world and make his first whatever hundred grand. And you told me that I would have to do the amount of work, follow ups, emails, prospects. And I and I looked at my channel and was like, I've done over 140 interviews. If you would have told me that at that time, I would have been like, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. If I knew how much work it took, I definitely would not have done it. Like, oh, my God, it's overwhelming. Who the hell wants to do that? But I was so like so committed to the outcome bro it was emotional it was like literally romantic to me it was like it was like i have to and i think most people want to they don't have to and uh, the only people in life that get their dreams are the people that have to have them i firmly believe that the universe has a good sense of humor and that if you're persistent enough the universe will here's how i think of it your dream house your dream life your dream sex life, your dream income, your dream uh, car, your dream contribution, your dream gift that you like to get for your mother, your father, your love, everything that you want in this world, emotional or physical, somebody will have, period. Somebody will get it. True. The question is who? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, if, so like, if you just tap into that and you realize, like, some your dream house what, and, and by the way, I don't mean it has to be big or whatever, like your dream income, your dream life, whatever it is, material or emotional or significant, your dream significant, whatever it is, somebody will experience that. Right. Somebody who's made of the same skin and bones as me and you, somebody who's made of the same brain matter, somebody who has the same cellular composition as me and you, somebody will have it. The only question is who wants it more? See what I'm saying? And yeah. the universe will give it to somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like that thought to me is so powerful. Like the universe will give it to somebody. So why not you and why not now? And the only reason 
It's because you're not that committed to it. It's a preference, not a commitment. So true. It's a burning desire that you need to have behind you. If that's there. I, I believe that, man. I, I, I so yeah. believe that. I so believe that. Because I think most people, it's it, the whole thing is casual. Hmm. Right? Like, like, like even, even with um, have-tos are always more powerful than want-tos, even if it's not necessarily with the best of intents, right? I was just telling somebody earlier that like one time I was stuck at like, I forget how much it was. Maybe it was like 30K a month or something. And I was trying to scale and I, for whatever reason, couldn't break that ceiling. And, 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 and I was like, I was like, dude, what? And he was probably making like hundred grand, 200 grand a month. And I was like, dude, like, do you have any advice to like get to that next level? And he goes, yeah, go, go lease a car you can't afford. <laughs> right. And, 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 I, and I don't, I don't recommend that to everybody. Right. But my point, my point is there's more than one way to do it. But see, when you have something like that, it's a have to, not a want to. When you have $10,000 a month in bills or 20,000 or 30,000 or 40,000 or 50,000, or, you know, for example, like say we're running a hundred thousand dollars a month in ads. It's, I don't want to make a hundred grand. It's like, no, 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 dude. Like I need to pay my assistant, my, my, uh, my ads manager. Like I need, I have to. And I think most people, they don't commit and they don't want the uncertainty of have to. And so they live in this, this hybrid of want to. And mm -hmm. that's why they're waiting for motivation and inspiration. And you know what I mean? Yep. But like, I have to. And again, I'm not by, by no means am I telling everybody on here to over leverage themselves financially or whatever. But what I am saying is that you're probably more likely to work harder to avoid losing your dream car or your whatever, or your team or your assistant that you're paying if you're in the hybrid of can I afford order, you're probably better off risking going broke, paying for something that could take you to the next level than you are hanging on to what you got. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Right on, right on the target. It's like people who drown, like say you're in water, um, people who drown are people who take the water in. See what I'm saying? Like. Yep. So it's, so it's, a, I think a lot of it is, is, is in that ballpark and, uh, yeah. and dude, it's not easy, but as you guys all know, business is not easy, but absolutely. Yeah. You've answered all my questions, by the way, actually, I wrote down all six, seven more questions and all in one, you answered through your stories. I feel <laughs> like, I don't feel like dumb to ask those questions. It's like already answered. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I know I got inspired on this one. Um, my apologies for not letting you ask, but I, I just kind of let it roll. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, man. But I'm happy if you have some of them. If you want to like ask them, kind of like rifle through them. I'm happy to fill in the blank. I'll try to be condense my uh, words a little bit there. I think the one question that can be condensed into everything: What are the biggest lessons after working closely with these people that you have learned and you want to pass on to our other entrepreneur buddies? Absolutely. Number one, they deal with bigger challenges than you. Hmm. Every stress you have right now, financially, mentally, emotionally, socially, intimately, they have too. The assumption that they don't have those challenges is a fallacy. That's number one. So number one, they have. we all have the same problems, all of us. I, I like to call them challenges, but we all have the same issues, challenges. The difference is how we respond. Wealth is in the response right? Wealth is, wealth is in the reaction. It's not in the stimulus. It's in the response, right? We're all stimulus yeah. response. Every, we all, again, we all have the same skin, bones, flesh. We live in the same states, countries. We grow up with the same handicaps, advantages, disadvantages, right? Like yeah. the difference is what's going on here. So that's number one. We all have the same challenges. The difference is how we respond. Number one, 
Uh, number two, they all have great teams. Without fail, without fail, when I ask anybody what's their biggest regret, it's that they didn't bring on A players sooner, period. Mm. Period. Period. You will never regret getting help even before you can afford it. Yeah. Right? You Because it always pays to delegate. It's scary, particularly when you don't have anybody giving you reassurance, you're new to business, it's scary. But number mm. two is it's A player teams, no matter what. I mean, you will not find a business that's growing that doesn't have eight players. Um, so a mentor told me one time that um, that every new level of income doesn't come from your work. It comes from your work with an eight player. And I was like, ah, because your best work, you're capped, but your best work with an eight player, new level. You and the eight players work with another eight player, boom, new level. You see what I'm saying? Um, so, so that's huge too. And, and don't undermine that. That might sound like it kind of just passes through, but let that land and ask yourself for anybody listening, who else could I hire? Maybe you got one and you're like, Oh, well, I got one. That's good for now. Who would be the next one? Hmm. You know, in, in what capacity? Maybe even if it's part-time, maybe it's, even if you ask yourself like, Oh, I don't, I can't bring on, I don't have cash. Okay. What, what could I throw a hundred bucks on 200 bucks on 50, but whatever it is, there's always some, you know, so build the muscle of that. Um, and number three, you know, I could tell you hard work, resilience, failure, rejection, you know, that's all important too. But I would say number three is time horizon. I think a lot of people think in short-term time horizons. I'll give you an example. When you think of the highest paid people in the world, right? I've interviewed literally from homeless, interviewing homeless people to interviewing multi-billionaires, right? Uh, John Paul DeJoria, founder of Patron Tequila and Paul Mitchell Shampoo and Conditioner. And one of the most interesting things I noticed was the fact that like, Say we go from the low scale of getting paid a minimum wage to like multi-billionaires, right? <clears throat> the highest paid people in the world, billionaires, think in terms of like decades, my lifetime, beyond when I die, right? Hmm. People who make a billion dollars plus think in terms of 20 years, 30 years, right? People who make $100 million maybe think in terms of a decade or two. Hmm. People who make... Uh, tens of millions of dollars think in terms of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. People who make millions think in terms of next one, two, three years. People who make s- multiple six figures think in terms of um, maybe a year, maybe two. People mm-hmm. who make just six figures think in terms of one year. People who make, right? And you so you sort of see how the time horizon, yeah. the lowest paid people in the world think about a minimum wage. How much am I paid per hour working? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? So it's it's about the time horizon and the wealthiest people I know are people who think in terms of 10 year time horizons, not 10 month or 10 week or 10 day or 10 hour time horizons. They commit to the activities and the activities lead to the realities on a long enough time horizon. You know, if I say, how do I make a million dollars this year to somebody who hasn't, that's very stressful. But if I say, how do I make a million in 10 years? Oh, it's not that stressful. And yeah. you sort of, it takes the pressure off, right? You say, mm-hmm. how do I make a, everyone will make a million dollars. If you make 50K a year, it might take you 20 years to make a million dollars. Um, or it could take you 20 months or 20 days or 20 weeks. I got friends that have done it in 20 hours, right? We all do in the internet marketing world, right? Yeah. And so the difference is how we can collapse time horizons. Hmm. See what I'm saying? How you can shrink the time between a thought to action. How quick can you monetize your ideas? When you have great teams, things move faster. They work well. I've never edited. I have a seven-figure production company, brother. I have never turned on a camera. I don't even know how to edit, right? I paid for way too many of them. I've never turned on a camera. I've never edited a video of mine. I've never, I don't, I have no idea. My, my team will send me stuff. I'll give notes or whatever. 
I have never done anything technically because that's their zone of genius. And I stay focused on my core four, right? My zone of genius. And so I think, I think, um, I think that's another thing too, is they triple down on their strengths and they build great teams around everything else. And if you do that on a long enough time horizon, they were just as frustrated as you. They didn't know how to get clients like you. They didn't. But if you kind of take the pressure off and think yep. in terms of longer time horizons, believe it or not, I'm a firm believer that you are more likely to make more money if you give yourself 10 years to make a million dollars and if you give yourself one year to make a million dollars 10 times over. How many internet marketers, coaches, consultants do we all know that are trying to make 100 grand that have been trying to make 100 grand for five years? Yeah. Right? Or, or, or more, whatever the number is. But when you can, when you just take all of that away, and you just go back to the activities, and you just go, oh, what are the activities I would like to do for the next five years? As a byproduct, the income will grow. Same thing with fitness, right? That's one area for me that I'm like refocused on. That's my biggest area of growth, right? Is I focused on wealth building and business building and all this other stuff, right? For now, so for me, it's about committing to the activity. As a byproduct, the realities show up. Realities are byproducts of activities. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So those are probably the things I've learned is that on a long enough time horizon, they've committed to the activities. They're not thinking in terms of like, well, I, I sent out messages today. It didn't work. It's like, okay, but did you send like a thousand of them or did you send like 11 of them? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So time horizon. That's so deep, man. I really love that. And it makes so much sense. I understood starting out and then making multiple six figures out. It, it makes definite sense how we think about in the different horizons. Absolutely. Yeah. That was awesome, man. I know and you have limited time. Yeah, sorry. Also, one more thing I want to say. I learned this recently um, is that nothing is as complex as you think it is. Any of us think it is. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, a lot of us look at maybe, let's say, for example, somebody who's making... Let's say Hermosi, right? Just because yeah. that's like everyone's talking about Layla and Alex. When I interviewed Alex, I have never interviewed anybody more simple in terms of approach than Alex and Layla, right? Like you ask Alex and Layla, how did you guys know how to run Facebook ads? They were like, oh, we just found a Facebook ads guy and asked him how much he would pay per hour. Instead of paying 10K for a course or 5K for a group coaching program getting lost, we just found a guy, asked him how much he charged. He charged 750 an hour. So we just paid him for 10 hours of his time. And it was wow. 7,500 bucks. And I learned from one of the best Facebook ads in the world. Boom. See, see the efficiency in that? See the simplicity in that? Yeah. Um, it's just so it's about like in the world of everybody trying to super complicate things. When you ask big real estate investors, right? I, I, you know, Manny Koshman, I interviewed him. Our interview has 1.6 million views. And we got to have big reach for him. And he's become a client of our production company. We've done business with him. And, and when I learned, you know, this guy's done hundreds of millions of dollars in commercial real estate. To the average person like me or you, we'd look at that and go, oh, my God, what are the laws? How much is it financing? Oh, my God. Right? Ah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've done a lot of these deals. No money down. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, they're not that complex. He goes, you know, like a building you see that's worth like 20 million bucks. There's not that many people that are confident enough to think that they're worth that. So as a result, it's, not, it's actually less competitive. You see what I'm saying? And so assumption like even with interviews right like a lot of people think like um oh like dan lock cardone right all these people believe it or not man the getting over my limited beliefs that i was worthy of interviewing them was harder than the actual mechanics of getting the interview right mm -hmm. it's literally harder for me to across the street go interview the local dentist like if i right now if you told me i don't care who you tell me tell me a big social media influencer i don't care who it is and I'll pretend I'm a no-name podcaster just starting. 
and I want to reach out to like a big name or whatever, it is literally easier for me to get that big name than it would be a local dentist. Mm-hmm. Question is why? Number one, they already have an understanding of social media. And number two is if they have an assistant, if they have a right hand, all that matters is that you get in their good grace, email them and send it over. You yeah. see what I'm saying? It's not that like there is no big like uh, moment, right? It, like it's... It's just a matter of it's a lot of it is limiting beliefs. Nothing is as complex as you think it is. And, uh, you know, like the expression, there's nothing to fear, but fear itself. I I totally believe that's true. Even even like 50K clients, right? I have clients that wired me over 100 grand. They were literally easier. My 100K, 50K, 25K clients are literally easier than $2,500 clients, $500 clients. You know what I'm saying? And it's because at the higher levels of business success mindset, there's not, there's no resistance. True. Resistance. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And there are less competition, as you said. Yeah. I remember I sold last two months ago, I sold my first 25K offer. I was like, it's so easy to sell. Yeah. <laughs> there was, I didn't have to go in a call. Yes. I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually share something with you that changed my freaking life. I swear to God, it's changed my life. I remember we're way over the time, but screw it, man. Okay. Someone told me something one time. It's changed my freaking life. Um, maybe record this. This would be good. So, so check this out. I'm going to trip you up. So somebody changed my life one time because they told me, like, I would see people in the internet marketing, coaching, consulting spaces, and they would sell, um, like 10 K 15 K offers. I remember there was a guy who was talking about how he had a 25 K offer. And I thought to myself, Oh my God, they get wire transfers of 25 K. Can't even imagine that in my bank account. How do they do that? Right. And I was like tripping, like fantasizing about what that would be like. And I had a buddy of mine and um, and he goes, he goes, Omar, you know why you haven't got paid 25K? And I was like, why? And he was like, because you never offered it. And I was like, mind blown, right? You cannot get what you do not order in the universe, right? Like if you go to a restaurant and you see someone else having the steak, you're like, but you'll never order it because of your own limited beliefs. And so, and, and so that happens at every level, 25 K 50 K hundred, whatever it was is like, when he told me that he was like, you know why you haven't got paid 25 K for an offer? And I said, why? He said, cause you haven't offered it, you know? And so for anybody listening or whatever, yes, I am saying the potential to increase your prices is possible, but also there are so many people that you are helping that for them, the challenge could be way bigger that if you doubled your price and tripled your value, you'd get more profit. It probably even better for them or their health or their mindset or their business or whatever, but you just never offered it. Yeah. Right. And if 25 K sounds intimidating, like here's one way I would even sell it just to give you a little insight or something. As I would go like whenever someone go, wow, it's 25 K to work with you for the year or whatever. I go, yeah, it's actually cheaper than a personal assistant. <laughs> so true. Because over, over like 25 K sounds like a lot at once. But that's like 2K a month, yeah. right? If you think about it, it's just over 2K a month. Like try to get a personal assistant like full-time, yeah. part-time to pay 2K. No way. So yeah, I'm going to support you for, for literally less than minimum wage. You see what I'm saying? So like a lot of it is framed too. Not that we're, you're BSing or whatever. It's just being strategic about how you communicate so people see the value in it, right? And so so, so I, don't, I didn't mean to interrupt you with the 25K thing, but I know people are listening and that's why people work with you because you're good at what you do. That's why I recommend people work with you. But it's like a lot of it is belief, you know, and if you don't believe in yourself enough to sell it, how are they going to believe enough in you to buy it? 
you know so right on yeah i remember when i was when i was working with my coach to design that offer he designed that 25k and i was like who's going to buy this offer <laughs> it was like you bought it right i said yeah i bought it but uh-huh. there are very less number of people who will buy it he said yeah we only need less number of people Yeah. You know, you know how I think of it, dude? This is funny because I had, dude, I had so many limiting beliefs, bro. I was a limited belief king, like literally. <laughs> uh, and so here's what I thought, though. The way I look at it now is like I think of the customers before I think of me. Like I just go, I just go, okay. Like say you're in the health space, right? I just go, okay, how many health coaches this year? Uh, sorry, how many clients this year will buy a 30K or 50K offer from a health coach? Hmm. Probably a few hundred. can i get five of those what would i have to do to get in front of five they already exist the yeah. money right kind of like i told you earlier somebody's going to have it some they're going to 25k clients 50k 100 they're there they just haven't heard of you they just don't know that you offer it, right so it has nothing to do with you it's like it's like imagine if the guy who started ferrari was like dude who's going to pay 300,000 for a car there's toyotas for 20 grand there's toyotas for 30 who's going to buy my for right mm. build it and they will come you know yeah there are always high ticket buyers dan lok also talks talks about it marin golden talks about it yeah i really love them amazing they're, man they 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 make the less excuses yeah they show up they're driven they're committed to results they know what is the responsibility of the coach what's the responsibility of the client and you know you're, you they have the best referrals Absolutely. you know it's, it's a whole new world so so yeah i just wanted to add some value but Sorry, continue what you were saying, man. I wanted to give you kudos for that. That's yep. How did it feel to do your first 25k deal? How did that feel when the wire came through? Just like you, I was saying like I was having limiting belief. Everyone had that. So I was even I was thinking about should I say 15,000? Should I say 20,000? Should I say 18,000 is a sweet spot? But I was like my coach told me 25k. Just forget everything. I'm going to save 25k. Wow. I said 25k and it was like for how long the other person said uh, prospect said how long i said one year I said okay so how do you how does the payment works i was like what like so easy you are asking for payment right away you don't and he was like what is the outcome i said we're going to do this 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 and by the end of year we'll be having this much outcome he's like okay tell me the payment plan <laughs> i was like man <laughs> that is like i was just making stories like we all do that in our mind same thing yeah. happened with the second prospect i did at second same month i sold 225k offers i was like this is going nuts i dude, couldn't believe that dude, i literally when that the first time that happened i literally think i like screamed in my house i, I did not actually i i dude i literally was like i could not stop smiling bro same like i was just like like walking around so happy i yeah i i know and then you go oh shit i got to build the deliverables i got to deliver now <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's every coach in the world right yes close the deal put the money transfer pay off the bills the debts credit card and then you're like Oh, shit, I got, I got deliver. Yeah. the same story everywhere <laughs> yeah. yeah love it man I, we're gonna do another interview man this is like crazy it's just, i'm loving it really i'm gonna be meeting you at fhl you're coming this year right uh, this year i won't be making it man i have oh. i literally have three different engagements on the same dates and i've literally oh, in the last okay. six months traveled to like seven countries and six different states i've been traveling oh. like crazy man uh so i'm trying to like take it easy um but i yeah i have i have different events on that day so i won't be able to make it this year unfortunately so okay next year definitely i yeah. have a plan to complete my 1 mil before 2023 i wrote in 2020 so i'll see i will make way, it happen wait on your goal write down to pass 
pass one million, not to hit one million, to pass it. A little, a little distinction yeah. in mind. But if you mm. hit it, it's kind of like a finish line. You don't want to think about it. Any number that ends yeah. in zeros, like Grant Cardone says, is a lazy number, right? If you're like, oh, I just want to like hit a million, make your goal to pass a million, not to like. Oh. Food for thought. Definitely. Love it, man. That's cool. Great. People who were watching us and who's going to watch this one replay, there is a special gift that Omar gave before jumping on this interview. We were talking about it. So, Omar, do you want to tell like what exactly is it? Yes, what absolutely. Do? Yeah. He is giving away all of his coaching for free this year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no. So, I wanted to, um, as a as a bonus for, for everybody who kind of hopped on here, and I appreciate all the love in the comments. I saw that. Um, we're basically doing a promo where if any of you guys are interested in whatever, if it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, consulting, um, I'm actually going to be throwing in uh, my free podcast course for you guys. Uh, the course is normally sold anywhere from 500 to 1000 bucks, uh, depending on the programs we spent it with. But anybody who invests in a coaching program with me, either a, a one-off call or a three-month coaching program with me, you'll be getting that course uh, for free, as well as some special free bonuses. You can just reach out to Sahil. And uh, he'll, he'll be able to connect you with our team and we'll be able to add some value for you there. Uh, and some bonuses that I don't give out anywhere else uh, just for you guys and for Sahil's followers because I believe in, in what he's doing. So just for you guys, you guys uh, can reach out and, and happy to add some value there. Absolutely awesome, man. Thank you so much for doing this. To reach out, DM me, anybody who's watching live or who wants to hop on a call with Omar. He's like, you have already seen what he has dropped, not just gold nuggets, but the diamond nuggets that he has already dropped. So if you want one-on-one -on -one time and it's, it's absolutely insane discount that he has already given, take an advantage of it. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Instagram, I will definitely post the link. Omar already dropped the link for that Instagram. I'll copy paste in the comments and the show notes. I will be dropping that. Thank you so much, Omar, once again for doing this, for dropping so much value for our audience. It was a pleasure to have you once again. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the love. And uh, for, for wherever in the world you guys are from, the U.S., Canada, and beyond, I appreciate the love. Thank you guys for hopping on. Thank you, Seal. Absolutely. You're welcome, man. All right. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll be catching up in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to visit dreamclientsecrets.com to get more information about how you can grow and scale your online business. And if you love this show, don't forget to leave me a five-star review and I will see you in the next episode.